0: It's not my fault if it falls off here. (laughs) Good morning everyone. I'm really thankful for you giving me the opportunity to tell you a little bit about the work in South Africa and a little bit about myself and for us to have a look at the word of god for a lesson from it i am the evangelist for the brixton church can i erase some of this mm-hmm. here okay where is it here uh, tell you now why i'm doing this Just hold on a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm the evangelist for the Brixton Church of Christ and let me spare Brixton for you because we have found that so many American people, when you say one thing, they hear something else. So I spell it for you. It's B-R-I-I-X. Brixton, not, you know, some American people will say, "Are ah, you saying Braxton. No, that's not what I'm saying. You see, that's why this word is written like this. You see, that's why the gospel, you've got to spell it out to people. You go spell, you see, that's what the gospel means. (laughs) So I have to spell it out to American people. Brixton is B-R-I-X-T-O-N. I'm the evangelist there, and then I work with a congregation. Brixton is about... 70 souls that worship there and Brackpen is another congregation on the east end of Johannesburg in South Africa and they have about 40 people or more a little bit more um, and then there, there's another congregation on the eastern end called Kwatema in Springs and they have about 30 and their small other congregations like in Rustenburg and so on two hours away that we also work with. Well I'm going to tell you what we do, we've been preaching the gospel there and there were churches in the United States that supported us to preach the gospel in South Africa. Now, that was before I landed up in hospital. You know, I always say it was it as bad as it seems to, or it seemed to me at the time, to land up in hospital. But, you know, I believe that God said, Alan, that's me, mm-hmm. um, you're the fly in the ointment. I don't know if you use that expression here, fly in the ointment. Alan, you're the fly in the ointment. I'm going to take this fly out of the ointment. And when, he, when I landed up in hospital, these young men that were at Brixton Congregation suddenly blossomed and started doing various things. Because I told them, what are you going to do when I don't come back? And when they saw so me land into hospital, they understood. Now, there's a reality. He might not come back. So we better get up off our hiney and start doing the work that needs to be done. And so that's what they're doing. While it's very odd, you know. While we were there in Johannesburg, while we while we flew over here to to the states, some brethren that were that are at Brixton sent me an email to say what they are doing in my in our, our absence. Some of the young men are sitting at the gate of the where the congregation's building is inviting people in and handing out tracks and so on. And another young man drove about an hour or two away from us to go and teach someone and then when he taught him, he baptized him. I'm so proud of him. And so it shows that, you know, there's something is happening there in our absence the problem is just that when we go back they might say we don't need you anymore you can stay away we could do everything by ourselves and then then I have a problem well normally every three years we come to the states and then talk to various congregations and individuals that support us in the work and give a report of the work that we do there. Um, We were supposed to have done that in 2015, but of course I landed up in hospital with a brain aneurysm and some malfunction and so on. So we could only come in 2016 Well, I said to my wife, OK, we, we need to go now in 2016 because I'm on round number two now. I don't know if there's going to be round number three also. So if we postpone it further then maybe in 2017 or 2018, we, we might not be able to do it. I don't know if you have that expression here. A t- hello. <laughs> the expression is you must you must heat while the iron is hot and, and that is what it is all about you see while the iron is hot we're striking while the iron is hot because you never know when if you'll have tomorrow or the next day or next week to, to do what you're supposed to have done all along so now, I, I said to my wife, "Let's go and say." You know, when I was in the hospital, many people prayed for my recovery, um, and I know that a lot of you also may have prayed for for me, for my recovery and I did recover, the therapist said I won't recover 100% but at least 95% and I'm trying to get there. So let's go and say thank you to the people. You see it's very easy because every month Well, I try every month to send a report to the churches that support us and individuals that support us and say, this is what we do in South Africa, this is what we do in Johannesburg particularly, um, that you are supporting the work there. Now it's very easy for me to just have written on a piece of paper or note or something, say thank you and just email it to the various people. That would have been okay, but it's not the same coming to people and saying to them, "Thank you for praying for us. Thank you that because I was in the hospital and now I'm out. can you see I'm out and i'm I'm teaching the gospel as far as i as i as much as I can." and wherever people give me the opportunity, but you know, as your life goes on, you change. If you can't understand what I'm saying, you must stop me and I'll try and speak American (laughs) (laughs) so that you can understand me. As you grow older, your life changes. First, you're you you're a young person, then you become a married person, a mother or a father after children are born, then grandma and grandpa, and then great-grandparents, if you're fortunate and so on. Your life changes all along. Now, this is a problem that I've always had with with certain congregations and preachers. They think that Preaching the gospel is just about just telling people that Jesus died for you. Well, that's not the whole story. You see, it takes a lot of time for you to not only preach the gospel, but show them how does the gospel translate in my life and how it will translate in your life. They look at us they look at our children they look even they look even look at our grandchildren because you see we in Africa have a, a backlog unfortunately we look to the West and particularly the United States and whatever they you do we try and copy and we say oh that's a first world country We are third world countries, so we must get to where they are. Well, sometimes it's not a good thing. Sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's not. Many congregations here sent evangelists to South Africa to preach the gospel. They preached it to us. We, we, my wife and I, repented. We were baptized for the remission of our sins and then we started teaching other people and so you can't just teach people you've got to show them you know let me give an example if you say to a young man go and play outside and be good he doesn't know what good looks like he'll go outside smash windows and stuff like that We say to him why are you doing that he says well what does good look like you can't just say be good, you've got to tell him exactly what it is. I found that to be so with American people as well. I'm not trying to insult you now but it's the truth. I said at another congregation that I teach the young men at Brixton to prepare themselves so that one day when we have to appoint elders they'll be ready and I said to 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 this congregation I said and I tell the young people not just to grab any woman and say now I'm married you are going to be my wife it takes long to teach a wife you can't just grab her today and then say you're my wife so they thought I said I'm going to teach them I'm not teaching the wife (laughs) the Bible says all the women must teach the younger women And other women will learn from experience and so on. Other women will learn on the job and so on. So it's not me, but people look at your life. You are Christian. Because we in a third world country, we don't know about these things. And then people say, okay, go go and be a good wife or a good husband. What does that look like? Then you go and you mess up your marriage and then... The preacher says, but why did you do that? Well, preacher, you never told me what is a, a submissive wife or a submissive husband. I think in the United States, it's a submissive husband. I don't know. I don't know what that means. And so you've got to show them in your daily life what it looks like. It takes a long time. You first have to find a wife, then you have to get married, then you have to live in this marriage relationship, and then you have to have children and so on. You've got to get things right. Do you know why men are so afraid of marriage? Because they don't hear properly. There's a story of a young man who always sat in church, and the preacher always was talking about a monogamous marriage and so young men only hear a monotonous marriage, I don't want that. (laughs) But the preacher said monogamous, he didn't say monotonous, so you see that's why men are afraid of getting married, they don't want monotonous marriage. So you've got to spell it out to people and tell them exactly what it's all about. Now I'm telling you That's what we do in Johannesburg, we teach people the gospel but we've also got to live it out in front of them so that they can see exactly what does it mean to be a submissive wife or husband and children and so on. They need to see it in your lives and they look at you and I have competition. And they say, "Well, that child, why does that, ch- that person get away with it, but you didn't you taught us not to get away with it. You don't just like that. So you've, your, your life has got to be on the straight and narrow, right on the button, as we would say. Because people look at you, they don't read the Bible, but they look at you. They know that verse very well that says, "Do not judge." And then they will tell you exactly, don't judge me. So you've got to teach them nicely. You can't just teach them the words. You've got to teach them in action what you mean by this or that. And it takes a long time, especially for us in a third world country. You know, there are many people in our country that... We have many official languages. English is just one of them. So when you talk to people about certain things, I don't know how it is in your country because mostly there's only English spoken here. But, you know, when you talk to people about nouns and verbs and adjectives and adverbs and so on, they are surprised that you know this well because there are so many official languages in in our country and you need to know something about them before you can live a life that is acceptable to people before that you can they can understand what you are saying. Um, If there are any more questions that you'd like to ask me afterwards I will try my very best to answer them. I still go on teaching but now my responsibility has changed a little bit because the young men now most of them are Christians and preaching and I've got to coach them now. You know I like to use the example well I don't know if you people did it but we did it. We used to play with, we didn't have a lot of toys. We used to play with tires in the street and just roll the tire. And the tire would roll straight, but then it wobbles a bit, and then you've got to run next to the tire and hit it, and so then it'll go straight again. I don't know if you people played with tires like that in the street or hit it on the other side, and then it goes straight again, Well, that's what I'm doing now. I'm hitting the guys on the side. They're going down the side and they're hitting and then they go straight again. You see, now the time is now for me to be as a guide for them. So they'll they'll go out there and they'll teach and then I'll come and say, okay, now tell me what you taught so that I can know what you taught. Then he will tell me and I will say to him, no, 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 no. The Bible says you must do it this way and this way, you see. Then he would be able to go out and teach others as well. There's no such thing as an old preacher. Preachers just die. And you don't hear anything about them anymore. They don't retire. They don't have uh, retirement annuity policies and stuff like that. They just preach until they die. That's how it is with preachers. So you just have to carry on and carry on and Sylvia and I try very our very best that when we have some funds, then we'll try and send some funds to various preachers, one in on our east coast, another or two on our east coast, some on our western province and others in Mozambique and so on We and we try and send some funds to them because these guys are doing a splendid job they don't love all very much but they are preaching the gospel and you know that is the most important thing because you can get everything sorted out in this life but if you don't if you don't have your salvation sorted out you're just going to die and then face the judgment without um having Jesus hold your hand okay that's as much as i'm going to tell you about myself now If you want to know anything more, you can ask me afterwards. Now what I want us to do is um, just look at a piece in the Bible. So if you have your Bible, then you can turn to Genesis chapter 19. now instead of reading the whole thing i'm going to just summarize the story for you i'm sure most of you if not all of you will be familiar with this story um because it's it's a story that most people know and i've had a lot of lessons on lot um I don't think you'll understand this, but I'll try. We have something similar to your M and M's. We call, you know, and as a lot of them in a box, it's a, and on the box it's called Smarties, and on the box it says what a lot I got well, they, I'm going to speak about Lot but not that what the Lot I got, this Lot so there's a lot of things that is said about Lot but not so many things that said about his wife <laughs> Lot's wife also, that's why I asked them to read that passage, you see one of the verses there Jesus says, remember Lot's wife now You are very fortunate. You don't have a clock at the back. If you had a clock at the back, I would ask someone to write underneath it, remember Lot's wife. Because you remember what she did. She looked back. So if you look back at the (laughs) clock, remember Lot's wife. That's what it is, you see. That's what Jesus said. Now, in Genesis chapter 19, it says a story about Lot and how he landed up in Sodom. You know what? The strangest thing is, to me, is when Lot separated from Abraham and Lot chose the well-watered valley of Sodom to go and pitch his tent closer to them, it doesn't say anything about his wife. That's so strange to me. It just says Lot had a lot of sheep and a lot of donkeys and a lot of things, camels and so on. So much that he and Abraham could not dwell together. So Lot had to go somewhere else. He chose the valley of Sodom. It doesn't say anything about his wife, but when you meet him again in Sodom, he has a wife. Uh, Very often I wonder, where did he get this wife? Did he get her in Sodom or did he get her along the way? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But I want you to think a little bit about Lot's wife. Now here's a story I want to tell you. When Lot separated from Abraham, he went to go and live there in Sodom. Yeah, these angels that came to Abraham and they said to Abraham, the Lord is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord pleaded with God. I mean Abraham pleaded with God and said, "Please don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there are so many righteous or so many righteous and he went down to ten righteous and there, obviously there wasn't 10 right, there weren't ten righteous people, and so God left him after ten. And then the angels went to the city of Sodom and they were going to encamp in the open at the gate. But Lord came past and saw them there and said you mustn't sleep here, you must come to my house, we know the story. And so these people said the Lord is going to destroy Sodom. Lord, you find your wife and your daughters and your sons-in-law and whatever and get out of the city because God is going to destroy it. <clears throat> and while Lord dilly-dilly, the angels took him by the hand and his wife and daughters and rushed him out of the city because they said, the Lord can't do anything until you're out of this place. And so out they went. Here was Lot, he had the one daughter on one end and the other daughter, the older and the younger, and Lot was going and his wife came behind him. Now we know what happened with the story. While they were running away and the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom, Lot's wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. And that's why Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. We're in trouble now. (laughs) So I I want us to just think a little bit. You know, I was thinking, why did Lot's wife look back? And at the conclusion of the lesson, I'm going to get us to look at a scripture that tells us that we mustn't do that as well. Because Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. What is it about Lot's wife that we have to remember? Well, one of the first thing that I came up with, Lot's wife must not have had much faith in God. Because you see, the New Testament tells us we walk by faith and not by sight. There God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's Lot's wife going out and she's looking back to see if it's really happening the way that God said it would happen. But you know what God says in Isaiah 55? He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and different from your ways. So that's the first thing about Lot's while. I may Possibly she, she wanted to see if this is really happening. And that's a good lesson for us as well. When God says it's going to happen, it will happen. You know, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you, like we saw in our Bible study this morning, whether you'll end up in prison, John the Baptist landing up in prison, or whether you're free or whatever the case might be, God's will will be done. I can assure you that as someone said, I can put my head on the block. I won't do that. Okay, the next thing that I thought about Lot's wife, why she looked back, is because her past was more important to her than her future. Now, um, if we hank, as long as we anchor after what was in the past, we sacrifice the present and the future because we're looking back to see what happened there. Let me tell you something. You cannot go back there. It is impossible. Believe me, I tried. You can't go back there. The past is the past. It's gone. It's forgotten. If somebody did something to you, the best thing is just to forgive him or her and just go on with your life. Um, Let's turn quickly to... Philippians chapter 3 I'll, I'll put your marker there Genesis Philippians chapter 3 and we'll read from verse 12 to verse 14 Paul says not that I have already attained or am already perfected but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus was also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Can you see that? That's what Christianity is all about. You've got to press on forward. You can't look back. What's in the past is in the past. And unfortunately, when we anchor for that which is in the past, we don't appreciate the present. You know, in the book of Psalms, there's a scripture that says, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So, every day that you get up, you must say, thank you, God, for making, I am not, I don't know if you know that every day, God makes a new day. I'm not sure, I don't know if you know that, but every, that's why God doesn't sleep. Every day, He makes a new day, and every day, when, when, at night when I go to sleep, every morning he wakes me up, Alan, come and see the new day that I made. And I'm giving you the strength, my boy, in your legs and in your arms to, to experience this beautiful day that I've made. Whether it's cold or rainy or hot or whatever, God made that day. And you've got to make the most of it. If you anchor for what, you can't say, Oh man, we had such a nice time back then. You can't go back there. Just, this is the day that the Lord has made. And we took that, I don't know if you have that song as well, but we sing that song, This is the day that the Lord has made. And then we all say, the other verses, Christ is the way that the Lord has made. So you can't go to other places. Once you on to Jesus, stick to him because that's what he, he does. You know what God specializes in? He specializes in saving. But he will save you so that the glory must go to him, not to you. You remember the story of Gideon? He said, Gideon, you have too many people. Reduce them. So Gideon only had three hundred. The Lord said, Lest Israel say I saved myself. No. Gideon, get rid of all the others, you only have three hundred. And we know what happened. Gideon won the battle. It's God that actually won the battle. Okay. The the third point is that <laughs> in Ephesians chapter five is an illustration of the relationship of Christ and the (coughs) church. Well, the Apostle Paul takes the relationship between husband and wife. Now, Mrs. Lot, I'll call her Mrs. Lot, because I don't know what her name is. Mrs. Lot didn't have um, a lot of confidence in her husband. I think that we all know, I mean, this is a fact and I hope people are not going to say again, Alan said so, but it is a fact. You cannot send a man to do a woman's job. It's just a fact, isn't it? I'll give you an example. I don't want to keep you here for very long because I know that you'll still have some, some lunch after this. My wife knows you... I'll just speak for myself. I think I'm a typical man. My wife knows. She can't give me $10. I must say dollars because that's what you understand. She can't give me $10 and say, go and buy a loaf of bread. Men, our brains don't work like that. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go to the shop, take the bread, go to the cashier, give her the $10 and leave. When I get home, I'll say very proudly to my wife, here's the bread you asked for, you know what she'll say? She won't say thank you. Or maybe she'll say thank you. I don't want to be in trouble. <laughs> um, she'll, the first thing she'll say is, where's my change? Then I'll say, you didn't say anything about change. You said, I got the bread. Yes, the bread. What do you want change for? You see, this is how a man's head works. If I go to my neighbor and I say, neighbor, I need your tractor. The neighbor will say to me, okay, I need your cow. Okay, I bring my cow to my neighbor and I take the tractor and I go. When I take the tractor from the neighbor, he doesn't give me chickens. What am I gonna do with chickens? I want a tractor. So when I come back, I give him the tractor, I take my cow, you see? That's how it works. Now, why must I have change? So my wife knows if she's going to send this man to the shop, give him $1.40, exactly the amount for the loaf of bread, because that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to take the bread, give the money to the cashier, and leave. That's all I was sent for. If she gives me more money, I'm going to leave the change. It's like the chickens. I didn't come for the chickens. I didn't come for change, I came for bread. That's how a man, you cannot send a man to do a woman's job. It's just as clear as daylight. Now here's Mrs. Lott and she, she now has to act on the basis of what her husband says. And her husband acted on the basis of what some men who we met in the park, who didn't even have a house to, or hotel to sleep in, told him to do. She has to leave her house and everything. So that's why obviously she will look back. She was more sure of where she came from than where she was going to. Now the last point is that Mrs. Lot, we know what happened to her. She turned into a pill of salt. Why a pill of salt? Why not a pill of caster sugar or icing sugar or something like that? High fructose cane sugar or something like that? Because in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, he equates our influence to salt and light. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You see? In Matthew 5. Um, so yes, Mrs. Lot. Oh, she was a complete influence, but not for her family, just for herself, and we know what happens. There's no pillow of salt. Now you can go where Mrs. Lot was. You'll not find a pillow of salt there. And you can't take a salt chicken and go and pour it on her head. She won't be salted again. It's true what Jesus said. Now, yeah, Mrs. Lot had this influence, but it was all about herself and the wind just blew influence away That's salt she didn't salt the family. she left these two daughters in the in the care of her husband. You can't do that he's going to mess up things, and he did. They went to Zoar and then they went into the mountains and we know what happened there was a two boys born, one for the father of Moab and the one for the father of Ammon, and they became a thorn in the flesh to Israel. So you can't entrust a man to do a woman's job. That's why I always say, women, you know, you are the pillar, you hold up your house. If there's no woman in the house, it's... I don't know how bachelors do it, but you will have to ask Richard, I think. Um, Okay, now in conclusion, turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Luke 9, 62. Don't think there aren't sixty two verses in chapter nine. There are. Luke nine sixty two says but Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, this looking back thing is a is a problem. <coughs> this is what Jesus said. You cannot put your hand to the plough and then look back. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. Once you put your hand to the plow, in South Africa we say you put pedal to the metal or metal to the pedal or whatever, and the thing just races on. You just go forward all the time. Um, And so Jesus says, none of you who puts his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You can't do that. Remember Lot's wife. But if we we don't have Jesus to hold on to, we have nothing. We can get everything sorted out. But without Christ, we will have nothing. I don't know if you know the story, but there was a lawyer who came to a woman's house. And he said, Madam, you are in big trouble. I'm a lawyer. I can help you sort out this mess. Your husband was involved in all kind of drug activities, and you're in trouble. I'm your lawyer. The woman said, All right, give me your card. And he left, and she said, I'll call you. She never called him until the day that the police came and said, We're going to arrest you. She said, Oh, where's that card? Oh yes I have a lawyer has the card she tried to phone him she ran over to his house when she got there he said I'm sorry I can't help you anymore I'm no longer a lawyer I'm a judge now now I'm your judge I have to judge you now so what could the woman do she was already at the judge and she was guilty they say guilty as hell And so share to suffer the consequence. I plead with you, if you don't have Jesus as your lawyer, now he'll be your judge in the end. That is as true as the Bible is true. He'll be your judge in the end. And if he, he judges righteously, he doesn't take anyone's person into account. There's no partiality with God, none whatsoever. He'll say, I'll say to him, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, he'll, Some people will argue with him and say, But Lord, didn't we do marvelous works in your name, cast out demons in your name, and so on? And he will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. You practice lawlessness. So, my plea to you today is if you don't have Jesus on the end, he's going to become your judge and you don't want him to be your judge because he judges without respect of persons. But if you are ready to, to take hold of his hand today, then we'll help you do that. And you'll be the safest person that I know. Thank you very much.